Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Oh my God. Oh, oh, he's in pain. Oh, it's a little screen there. What? Hang on, he's watching TV. Hang on, let's turn this up. Chill out, Sheldon. I'm not Sheldon, I'm the Flash. <laughs> and now I'm going to the Grand Canyon to scream in frustration. Makes sense. Hello and welcome to The Doctor Is In. My apologies to listeners. We had a week off last week and I didn't tell anybody. Actually, I had a really relaxing week in a small English village and I was just sort of minding my business. Then I found a fob watch with the name of the podcast etched on it, so I opened it and my memories flooded back and... Anyway, uh, tortured metaphors slash references to human nature aside, it's bloody good to be back. For those of you just joining us at the tail end of this season, my name is Paul Verhoeven. Every week I do this podcast, and this week we are chatting with the superb comedian, cast member of the Australian Whose Line Is It Anyway, and regular on ABC2's Whovian's Bridie Connell. Plus, I'm going to be taking a look at the scrumptious bastard that is David Tennant's 10th Doctor. That is very hard to say, but first... Time for Whose News Is It Anyway? This week in Whose News Is It Anyway? Not much, actually, because, I mean, we are fast approaching the end of the season. Uh, We do know that the regeneration is likely going to happen soon, but a new piece of information has been released suggesting that a new actor uh, isn't going to be replacing Capaldi before the Christmas episode. Why? Because nobody's made the 13th Doctor's outfit yet. Ray Holman, the costume designer and the person who will be helping to craft the 13th Doctor's look, has suggested that uh, he's not going to start working on the outfit until after the festive special has finished filming, according to Radio Times. Basically, he's implied that they're going to need him after the Christmas show. So, I mean, we don't really know what's happening at this point. It's very frustrating. So, I mean, if you've got any ideas as to not just who you think is going to be playing the next Doctor, uh, but who you want to be playing the next Doctor, and also what kind of a look you think they should have, maybe uh, hit me up on Twitter, at TDIIPod. It's time now to catch up with comedian, Whovian's regular, and cast member of the Australian Whose Line Is It Anyway, Bridie Connell. I was thinking, you know, when you messaged me and you were like, oh, you could talk about anything, like the practicalities of time travel. I've always thought yeah. when I when I watched Doctor Who, like if I had a TARDIS or the ability to time travel, I'd squander it. Like I don't think that I'd do like particularly useful or morally great things. I'd just go to like awesome concerts through history and stuff like that. But that's so. Yeah. That's totally what the Doctor does at one point. Like the 10th Doctor's like, let's go see Elvis. But would you like do dark stuff or would you, would it get a bit dicey there for a while? I mean, I mean, with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> and also the temptation for a lot of corruption. So sure. I can't say no, I wouldn't. I'd like to think that no, I just have this great hedonistic time of checking out all my musical idols from the past 500 years or whatever. Sure. But, sure. you know, who knows? I think you do, though. I think because everyone's had that fantasy of like, if I could sneak into a shop and be invisible and just take a bunch of stuff or if I could you know, kick the chair out from a major world leader and watch him topple down some stairs. I think you might have this really loose period of like 50 years if you're a Time Lord where you would sort of go a bit 
go a bit crazy with power, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes, I think temptation would be a very real thing. I don't know, though. It's just it's just with the whole time travel thing, you know, how people are always like, if I could go back in time, I'd kill Hitler or I'd, you know, save this or I'd stop this natural disaster from happening. And I'm like, am I a terrible person if I'm like, <laughs> no, I just want to go and hang out with, you know, Mozart and, you know, say things that will then inspire classic plays and songs and just muck around with things a little bit. But, but what if you're meant to? What if it's your job? What if you messing around with Mozart is the re- You know, like, because th- that's where time travel gets iffy. I think the future is different. I think the future is safe. You can just go ahead and do whatever. But it's not safe if you go ahead and check out some massive... You know, let's let's say Microsoft hadn't been invented yet and it's the 60s and, you, yeah. and you've and you got a time machine. You go forward, you come back, you invent Microsoft. I think it needs to be... The person with their hand on the rudder needs to be relatively sane and ideally sober so i'm thinking yeah. maybe we should leave it to other people i don't know possibly i mean i was on the src at school so i'm pretty <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> not any have the hand on the rudder i think it should be me right i love the idea of the, the doctor appearing you hear that vorp vorp and he looks down to see if there's a prefect badge he's like nope all right nothing bye and it just <laughs> Just parts off into the distance. Hello, Time Lord. (laughs) As captain of Time Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Do you reckon there were like um, Gallifrey and Rocker Stedfords? Do you reckon there were like pretentious kind of theatre kids on Gallifrey? Imagine the amazing effects they would have had access to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Although the Rocker Stedford already goes for too long. If you're a Time Lord and you don't age, that thing could go for like 30 years. Imagine being a parent dragged along to the fucking thing. (laughs) We um, so I grew up in New Zealand, and we don't call it the we don't call it Rocker Set for there, but it's essentially the same thing. We call it the smoke-free stage challenge. Ew! Um, all these <laughs> oh, not smoking terms like we have. You know, we have smoke machines, but yes. no smoking of the cigarettes because that's very dangerous. Yeah. Um, so we had smoke-free stage challenge, which my school entered every year, uh, and like every single school in New Zealand will always use Slice of Heaven by Dave Dobbin. Like it's just, there's all the things that always happen every year, but they do go forever. Once one of them went for six hours and that's like, you know, if I had a time machine, I would just avoid going back to that day. It like I'd go anywhere else in time except that day. Sure. That's a tad indulgent. Six hours. You, there's nothing you can't tell at a rocker stepper that can't be done in 20 minutes tops. Because you're basically using Wizard of Oz as a metaphor for drug use and then playing Green Day's Time of Your Life and then Dorothy's like avoiding... I'm just, I was stage manager for three of those things in a row and it was the least pleasant time of my life. Just Ouch. To be fair though, like there's, there's a lot of issues that affect teenagers. So, you know... I think it's good that we have a place to talk about. Sure, just a, a place for theatre nerds. Because the thing is, if you're again, if you're, let's go back to that Gallifrey and Rocker Stedford thing. Uh, or smoke. <laughs> so what was it? Smoke free. Smoke free. Smoke free stage. Okay, so let's. Let, you're, you're the guest. Let's go with the uh, Gallifrey and smoke free stage challenge. Um, so we zoom in through the constellation of Casterburus, and we hit Gallifrey. And we zoom in through the stratosphere, and there's just bored Gallifrey parents with their dumb high collars. You know those big high Gallifrey collars. Uh, what kind of themes do you think Time Lord children would be tackling? Because obviously, like. You know, I don't think there's there's any blow or I don't think there's weed uh, on Gallifrey. So what are Gallifrey kids dealing with as issues? I think if I were growing up uh, in that environment, I would be confused with the aging process because I'm sure you hit a point where no matter if you're hundreds of years, like, different in your age, you're all going to kind of look the same. Right. Aren't you? 
Yeah. Are you? Well, teacher-student relationships would be super weird because you both look the same age, but one of you's like 400 and one's 30, you know? Right. So that would be super con- 30. How, how old were you when you graduated school, mate? Uh, <laughs> I had a... It was a, Well, Rocker Stedford's went so long, they kept adding years to my graduation, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm currently in year 17. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I think that would be confusing because it would be really weird, like, how would you delineate who's who? Sure. You know? Sure. It's, um, it's a bunch of adults doing Rocker Stedford. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think... Uh, you know, there'd be some abandonment issues definitely to talk about right. with people always gallivanting around, you know, the planets, you know. That's definitely a good ballad potential there. Oh, with yeah. some great contemporary. What know. about, like, because, I mean, I, are kids allowed sonic screwdrivers? Is that Or is that the equivalent of, like, buying a gun on Gallifrey? So is, do you need to have, like, sonic screwdriver awareness uh, worked into the whole thing? Because those, those can Maybe do – yeah. Different. Maybe that's their, like, theatre and education troops. Instead of talking about, like, drunk driving, they come oh. in and they're like, I got drunk and I used a sonic screwdriver. <laughs> Let's talk about how we can do this differently next time. That's what they do. <laughs> I love those love those PSAs. But I, so did you guys have um Happy Healthy Harold in New Zealand growing up? Do you know what this is? Yeah, I know what it is because he visited my intermediate school when I was 11 uh, and I got in trouble. Because I was the only one who <laughs> Harold was talking about drugs, and he's like, "So, what are some different names for drugs?" And I just like yelled out, "Crack!" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I knew that, but then everybody looked at me, and then one of the teachers took me aside to have a chat about me because I thought that I was this like problem kid. But no. you weren't like you weren't cheering for crack; you were answering a question, right? That's it. I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I was informing everyone. I just love the fact that like a, a puppet a puppet giraffe has the temerity to to chew you out for Yeah. For correctly answering a question. I, I I'm struck because I haven't I've never seen I don't think we've ever seen wildlife on Gallifrey, so I don't know what the giraffe equivalent would be. Yeah, right. You know? It's gonna be you know, similarly in Congress, there's not heaps of giraffes roaming through the suburbs of New Zealand and Australia. Yeah. Uh, okay. So it's like it's got to be like an exotic animal. So what's the, what's the equivalent of like yeah, Africa? It's got to be something friendly. You know, you're not sure. going to have some terrifying monster or something. Right. Right. Um, hmm. So it can't be a Dalek, is what you're saying. It can't be. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you just say, look, they're not cute on the inside. We know. This. Yeah, that's true. It's just a bunch of snot. Because when when a, when a plush Dalek gets wheeled out, it says, "Hello, children." Uh, kids are gonna kids are gonna shit themselves, which is not the desired effect of. of the, I had the um, salt and pepper Dalek, like the Dalek salt and pepper shakers for a little while there. Right. Was excellent. Yeah. Was right. My um, they they tend to that happens when they age. <laughs> eh? Yeah. So. Oh my god! So you okay? So you you're clearly you're clearly a fan. I don't. I don't ever. I mean, I don't ever grill people on their fucking credentials, like because it's so. It's so hard to get into the show. Like it's so big. It's 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 over fifty years old. Like where do you start? So you said to me you've only ever watched the new stuff. Frankly, the new stuff is where most of the good stuff's at in my mind. So like who, who like wh- have you? What's what's kept you watching? What is it that keeps you coming back to the show? Or what's made you bail and then come back recently? Yeah. Right. Okay. So my um. My uncles, I've got this like gaggle of ridiculous, wonderful 
slightly bonkers uncles on sure. my mum's side mm. and they got my brother and I into it because we've been fans for, you know, however long, um, for forever. And so when it came back, um, so Christopher Eccleston was like the first, you know, my first doctor. Sure. Um, so they, they were so excited and it was this big thing that, you know, it was happening again, Doctor Who's coming back. And so I was like, oh, what's all the fuss about? So they kind of got me into it. Yeah. And I loved it because it was fun. It was so creative and inventive, but also just, you know, scary enough to kind of feel a little bit cool when you're little. Watching sure. It, you're like, oh, yeah. And I loved, I loved Christopher Eccleston as well because he was so... He had a lot of power and anger, and yeah. so I just really liked his characterization of it. So that's kind of what got me hooked into it. And my brother and I would sort of watch every week, and then we'd, you know, in a very, in our very little nerdy way, we'd go away and dissect things, and we'd go, great, and if it was us, what would we do in this situation? Very ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, so I, I loved it because it was – it felt like a little bit dangerous and cool <laughs> when I was starting to watch. Sure. Um, and yeah, I just I just kind of got hooked. I I went away for a little while with the Matt Smith stuff, but that has nothing to do with him or the show. It's allowed to though. Like that's not a that's I mean you know it's it's allowed to you're allowed to get driven off. The show does tend to because the show's tried to push me off a few times, and I know what it's like to be watching a thing you like and go, man, I'm really it's really testing me right now. You know? Yeah, I um no, I actually really liked because uh, I've gone back since and mm. I've called up on all of it but um it, it was sort of like I was just you know I had been moving and then I didn't have a tv and my computer was like really slow but I just didn't I wasn't motivated enough to go and watch it sure. I don't know what it was I think I loved you know the David Tennant seasons as, as so much as well that but I just I don't know I think as well because I binge watch it sometimes I just need to have a break <laughs> you know? yeah no I get you I get you I mean like you going back to the show is I think that's what Danny the Dalek would call independent learning while you're sitting in the van and Gallifrey having this <laughs> freaking puppet talk to you. That is interesting, though, because, like, um, this technically is our, like, David Tennant episode. Um, mm. And Tennant's, like, if I was ever to bone down with a doctor, Tennant's it. I mean, I'm a lot, I'm six foot two. I'm, 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 like, much bigger than Tennant. I weigh more than him. It'd be like, it'd be like making love to a puppet. Like, there's all just, you know, those stupid floppy felt legs. But, like, um, I, I have to ask, which doctor, which doctor is your celebrity free pass? No companions, no like which which straight up which doctor? Yeah, look, it's not it's not a very creative answer, but it, it it's obviously David Tennant, isn't it though? Like it's it's obvious. <laughs> I think it is because sure. he's also the one that is displayed the most. Like he he clearly has that within him, his desire to mac on with Rose, and that's something that I feel like when we we'd all like to be there on a beach. 100%. Yeah, they're all great, but the pros and cons, but like. Christopher Eggleston's just a little bit, you know, scary. scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice in that, oh, my favourite cousin kind of way. And right. Capaldi's like, oh, hey, Dad, you're great. But, you know. <sighs> okay, so, okay. Full yeah. edge uncle, but still, that's related. No, you're absolutely right. So, okay, so let's say you could, well, this is an interesting casting angle of, like, who would you cast in that you're basically casting your future husband slash wife slash whatever. Like, you're casting your future love interest here. Who would you cast? And you could cast any, 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 literally anyone. I don't care if it's a politician you fancy. I don't care if you go Justin Trudeau. You can do like, whatever you want. Great question. The, someone who I would love to see as a doctor, but not in a love interest way. Yeah. Because, you know, like, yeah. But who I think would be an amazing doctor. And I've always thought this and it's so weird, but I'm like, Emma Thompson. 
would be such a good doctor. Yeah. Don't you reckon? No, absolutely. And I've been moving because more and more towards that kind of casting. Yeah. I don't know. I think she would be amazing. I would love that. You don't mess with her. She's got so much authority. But, yeah, I, I think she would be amazing. Yeah, it would be it would be such an interesting – I would feel so much pressure as a casting director for that show, I reckon. Yeah. Because everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a say. And people take it personally, you know. They get yeah. so riled about who is cast or not cast. It's a massive job. And you can't take it back. You can't cast, see how they go, and then pull it back and be like, that was just like a – there's no probationary period for the Doctor. Once you cast the Doctor, once those promo shots are done, that's it. Like, they're – in for, I would say, a minimum of three seasons, ideally. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, unless, have you seen, oh, it's years, it's so. It's quite old now, but this is excellent, like, uh, what, I think it was on BBC, it might have been like a Red Nose special or something. Oh, The Curse of the Christmas. Fatal Death? Oh my God, I love that so much. Yeah, and with all like, the... Yeah, oh. Because <laughs> when they gave, they basically popped 12 in and give him like this whole new batch of regenerations. Why not burn a few on an episode where he's running like Normandy style into oncoming laser fire and you just see glimpses of cool actors having brief cameos. Yep. And then it's like for a second, it's Colin Firth and then it's Hayley Atwell and then it's David Oluelio and it's just like, and then he finally comes to rest. He, she, whatever comes to rest as the, because mm-hmm. like. It's not it's not idle. You can't call in and vote as to which incarnation of the Doctor you want to... I mean, that actually would be interesting, though. Actually, you said that, and I'm like, that's an amazing idea. <laughs> but do they sing? Is that What What do they do like, just before the call-out goes out? Or are they in the jungle competing? Are they trapped in, are they trapped in the TARDIS and the last one to survive? Is that a show? Like an in-between season show where you get to watch them kind of whittle each other down? we have fit onto a huge money-making scheme. You've definitely got to have like the the round where they wield the sonic screwdriver. There's got to be a few quips in there that sure. they deliver and how well do they do it. Yeah. Um, wow. And we can have a buzzer. It'll be so exciting. We can have spinny pairs of the judges. I'm into this. I think um, I think it'll be really interesting because then you could just stunt cast your way out of it. You could just have interesting actors. I'm really your your mentioning of Emma has got me. I'm pretty sure I want a I want a woman doctor at this point, um, and not for stunt casting, just because I genuinely think like I feel like we've done almost every iteration of male personality type at this point, and I would I would like to see a woman have a crack at that. Here's a question. Here's yeah. a question. Do you think this? Mm, okay, so do you think Doctor Who is a character like um, oh, someone like Harry Potter in that? He's gonna have to be, or she's gonna have to be from the UK, like oh. because you know Harry Potter. I know they auditioned worldwide, but that, of course they were always gonna choose an English boy to be Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, even though, like, I, of course it's a BBC show and it's ingrained in like that, you know, British identity. Do you, but there's no reason really in 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 the world of the show that yeah. it has to be someone who's got a British accent. But do you think it always will be? Uh. Oh shit! Because I mean, the I the well, like Bond. They're not going to cast just some random Kiwi who's like, "Kia ora, I'm here. I'm Bond, James Bond." Like they're not going to do that. I would argue the franchise that needs would... that. You know, he just he just uh, can I have lemon and Perot, just like straight up, no no ice, and then it's is that it? Bring such a negro, shoot you, eh? Oh, I think that would really freshen up the franchise. But I, I do actually think you could count comfortably cast like a Sam Neill who can do the accent. And then just, yeah, right. you know, I think it's more about the gravity and the, because all I want is a good actor. That's the whole thing. So I think the meritocracy approach should also extend to, 
or you know at least potentially but if i heard an american accent come out of the doctor's mouth i think instantly i would chafe i don't know why that's yeah see that's so interesting because i would have the same reaction but i don't i don't know why like i don't know why i'm like it must be british well no it's ours right we feel ours we're still a colony but we are but like there is a certain sense of ownership over this this very Mm. it, it is this thing that feels like well, no, because when they mentioned, you know that they there were talks to do like a like an American remake or like an American reboot version of Doctor Who uh, a couple of years back, and it got it got it was on the scrapper for obvious reasons. But people were like Johnny Depp. This is before Johnny Depp was yeah. absolute garbage. So I mean, okay, all right. So you can cast an American Doctor. The show will never happen. You just get to look at somebody and say you're the Doctor, and you get to see him in the costume and see him run around a bit. But who would you cast as an American Doctor? Wow, I mean. There's, you know, because I'm thinking about, like, all the most famous American actors, but there's a few, like, George Clooney, way too charming. Yeah. And the doctor's got to be a bit charming, but not that charming. Yeah. And... uh, I would argue it helps if they haven't been famous for anything else too big, so that this becomes their first, like, big, big role. That's the thing about the BBC. Like, you can be in 30 adaptations of Jane Austen stuff, and then you get the doctor, and that's all they know you for, right? (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. Oh man, who would you go for? I would. Hmm. That's a great question. I'm going to think about it for a sec. Who would you go for? Well, I'm actually sitting here racking my brain, and I keep coming back to I keep coming back to Helen Mirren, and then I'm like, oh, that's why, that's why it has to be someone British because yeah, the, all the all the actors who bring gravitas to stuff. But then I saw Jeff Goldblum was down here doing some PR stuff, and I'm like, Jeff Goldblum would make an interesting Doctor. Yeah. You know. And look, we can just make like do a little franchise mashup. We'll get Harrison Ford. It'll be great. Oh, I don't know. I feel like he would. You attach him to one more thing with magic and whimsy in it, and he'll burn the building down. He is an angry. Hundred percent. Oh man, it would. Yeah, it'll be a huge challenge to cast. It's actually the first time I sort of thought about that, you know. But it's a. It'll be like a dream job, and then as soon as you've got it, you'd be like, oh boy, the pressure is real. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had that before? Like, have you ever had like a, you've landed like a dream gig and then the pressure kind of mounts and then you're sort of, you're suddenly not just doing it for you. You're doing it because you're part of a legacy. Like, is that a, is that a thing you've experienced before? It totally happened with Who's Line because that's a show that I grew up with and it's like my favorite show ever. And I was mm. so excited to get that phone call that I was cast. And I was like, oh my God, this is so brilliant. Oh my God, this is so brilliant. And everyone loves the show and everyone will have opinions about it and I've got to do it right. Um, yeah, so I, I felt that last year. But, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. I think you've got it and you've got to respect the job, but then you have to make it your own. And that's what I like. I like that all the doctors are so different. There's no point trying to be anybody else. You've got to put your own spin on it. And that's why I think it'll be great if they take a risk with the next doctor and, you know, depart from casting a white middle-aged man. That will be excellent if they move away from that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, look, um, I think, I think... I, I try and cap these things at 20 minutes, which is a real bastard because if the conversation is going well, I always want to go longer. But, like, is there anything else um, you want to talk about? I mean, I, I would actually – like, is there anything you want to plug? I, I should be doing – what do you want to plug? <laughs> <laughs> I want to plug. Uh, movie in house next week if anyone wants to help me pack some boxes. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I'm not plugging anything. I don't have anything on for the next, like, 
month or two, which is really nice. So it is a rare time that I'm not just, you know, shamelessly self-promoting. So I'm just going to enjoy not plugging something. But mm. I did remember a Doctor Who related story the oh, other yes. day because I was uh, talking to my mother um, who has been like painting her house and she's, she loves the decoration and, and furnishings and all that stuff. And she's got this, she was talking about this beautiful candle holder mm. that we have. And I had this flashback because my brother Liam and I, when we watched the um, the Blink episode many years ago, and it was it was the first time that I'd seen the Weeping Angels, and I was so terrified. It was like to me the scariest villain, just the idea of them. Oh my god, terrifying! And I absolutely loved the episode, but I sort of watched it, you know, peeking out behind the couch. My brother and I were just terrified, and we dissected this episode. We're like terrifying. What would you do? Uh, and then anyway, about a week later, we sat down to have this really nice dinner. We had some family friends over and some guests and mum had set the table and it looked beautiful, flowers and everything. It was a bit of a special dinner, whatever it was for. And she got this new candle holder, which she put in the middle of the table. And it was four stone angels holding hands in a circle. Oh. And Liam and I, <laughs> we ate our dinner, but we didn't take our eyes off the candle <laughs> like an hour we were so terrified and mum was like are you guys all right we're like yep yep we're absolutely fine we just <laughs> we couldn't relax and she still has it and every time I go home it freaks me out there's just a little part of me which is like they're just biding their time just break it just smash the damn thing <laughs> I'm scared of what they'll do to me but no, if they're broken, they can't do anything. Because that here's the thing. In I would argue that the size of the weeping angels is also a problem. These are tiny. It's going to take them twice as long to cross the room to get to you. You'll be fine. They're like they're like they're, they're only scary if you're like a borrower or something. You know? Yeah, that is true. All right. Well, it's been 15 years, and I'm still in the right time. So hopefully, it's gonna it's gonna be okay. All right. Unless you flash forward 15 years from now, and then you find out that we're living in a Planet of the Apes style Trump fueled apocalypse. How are you feeling about escapism right now, given that the world is getting arguably worse? Are you finding shows like Doctor Who are giving you more of like a place to go, like solace wise? I'm glad that there's been a few moments in this latest season that yeah. have just you know, nodded towards it and <laughs> acknowledged that we're living in a time that's far from ideal. Sure. Uh, yeah, I think escapism is really important um but i also think it's good to use what is you know what can be obviously a, a scary and action-packed show but what is more than anything just a really fun show i like that they're using it to just poke a little bit of fun yeah. as well i think it's really good and that's a very helpful way to deal with you know some awful things that are happening at the moment mm. yeah agreed it's uh you wouldn't yeah <laughs> You wouldn't write this storyline, though, would you, of what's currently going on in the world and put it in a TV episode? You'd be like, yeah, unbelievable. Well, let's just say you're in the bunker, right, and you're one of the few who survived the, you know, oncoming orange holocaust, and you are going through, like, the flash drives that have saved, like, backed up all the cool stuff you can watch to distract yourself while you eat tinned food. And you're like, cool, new Doctor Who! And you watch it, and all it does is remind you of what happened the prior fortnight. Like, would you resent the show or would you be like, good for them to trying to shine a light on this stuff? I, uh, I don't resent it. I like it because it's kind of been cheeky enough, but also it's got this tone of like, oh, we're all in it together. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's true. As terrible as it is, yeah. we're all going through it and it'll be okay. So I don't resent it. I think it's quite good. 
All right. You know. All right. Well, um, Bridie Connell, uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that your mentions, because you said you don't have anything on for the next two months, and you said uh, there's nothing you want to plug, but you kind of looked at me weird, and then you mentioned that somebody other than an English person could potentially play the Doctor, and you said you want a woman playing the Doctor. All of this is mathematically adding up to imply that you are like low-key trying to hint that you are, in fact, the next incarnation of the Doctor. So, I mean, just nod. This is an audio format, so just like nod once for yes. Yeah, she's not. Guys, get hashtag trendy and Bridie for Doctor. <laughs> I have actually um, written my own Doctor Who storyline. No. Once, which the BBC did not ask for in any way. But it didn't stop me from writing it. And it would be like an adorable story if I was like 12 when sure. I wrote this storyline. But I was definitely like 20 years old. <laughs> right, so we can't we can't like sit, sit down with a group of writers and make it a gritty kind of version of it is inherently childish, I'm guessing. Uh, actually, I didn't cast myself as a doctor. I cast my brother and I uh, as a pair of villains. Um, oh. <laughs> because villains have so much fun, right? It would yeah. always be great to be a villain. But yeah, uh, my brother and I had this little brains. Oh, man, he's going to hate that I'm telling you this. <laughs> no, no, this is, good. this is good stuff. All right, go, go, go. Tell, tell me. So my brother and I, like brainstorm this little scenario about this pair of um east end pickpockets who were brother and sister but they just stole a mixture of trivial and important things right from anywhere in space they had their own little this spacecraft they would just go around pinching things that took their fancy and um i was really into this idea and so we called i called them the Fixer and the Fingersmith, which I thought was a great name. Because yeah. Because I was like, the Fingersmith is like an old, old-timey name for like a pickpocket. It's and very my brother rude. was like, are you sure you want to? Like, what do you mean? I, I'm a chimney sweep. I punch people in the street. I'm called the Fister. Maybe don't call it that. Uh, see, that's, uh, yeah. So, you know, you have to make mistakes sometimes. Sure. And now I've admitted to it, and you've recorded me saying that. <laughs> Great. Well, I mean, if this is anything like when you run for the U.S. presidency, uh, none of your past dirt will come back to haunt you. So you've already been cast, Brady. None of this is going to affect anything. If anything, it's just going to add to the add to the intrigue. Um, Brady Connell, thank you so much for joining me on the show. And uh, everybody, if you haven't already seen Brady on Whovian, she's on the most recent episode, so it's on uh, ABC IV right now. Thanks for having me. Bye. <laughs> It's time now for Doctor Who Cliff's Notes, the regular segment in which I go through the history of one of the classic Doctors and tell you which episodes you should watch. Now, obviously, this is something of a tricky, uh, tricky segment because we have, we've, we've cleared all the classic Doctors and we are now up to David Tennant. So instead, what I'm going to do is talk you through why I think he's a good Doctor and also which episodes you should watch. So say what you will about the 10th Doctor and what you'd say better be absolutely glowing or we're going to have stern words. But David Tennant was, in my opinion, basically the perfect Doctor. I would argue I would argue the best Doctor overall. Why? I'm going to tell you. That's the whole point of this segment. First of all, David Tennant. Um, David Tennant was and is a huge fan of Doctor Who, meaning he brought a certain air of reverence and playfulness, uh, because you can see in every scene that he was just perpetually stoked that he was the Doctor, which translated to the character. That's what you want from the Doctor, that feeling that, oh my God, I get to fly around in time and space and have adventures. That, 
it's just, you can see in his eyes that he's happy to be there. Now, he's also a genuinely superb performer, and every scene in the show that he was in was just bleeding with acting chops, and that hair. Speaking of chops, that, my God. I mean, I would lift David Tennant up to kiss him on the mouth, but he looks like he has a bird skeleton and would break in two. He's very, he's very fragile. He's like a Fabergé egg. Secondly, the 10th Doctor run was, and I might be treading on some toes here, but this is... It's my bloody show, so I'm going to say it. I think the 10th Doctor run was far superior to anything Moffat did. There, I said it. No tea, no shade, but Russell T. Davies may have leaned on soap opera story beats a bit at points, but he kept things grounded, and we constantly felt like we were tethered to a real place, to real people with, you know, realistic, consistent emotional arcs. So even though I will acknowledge the subject matter was deeply unrealistic, because it's Doctor Who, the emotional reactions to things were, again, consistent and felt realistic, whereas Moffat gives us occasionally very good episodes, but is completely unmoored from any sense of place and narrative consistency. Characters that feel like actual people and seasons that weren't and aren't held together by lazy twist endings in place of, you know, good writing. I cannot wait for Chibnall to come along. Uh, another thing about the 10th Doctor's run, the stories were amazing. The, oh God, the 10th Doctor had the best stories ever. Big, ambitious, relatable stories. So this is the part of the um, Cliff's Notes where I typically, you know, give you a list, like a mixtape of episodes to watch so you don't have to watch them all. Here's what I'm going to do with Tenant. I've never done this before. I'm going to recommend which ones not to watch. Everything else go absolutely nuts. It's pretty much all pure liquid wonderment. So here is my list of episodes of Tenant to not watch. In season two, you can skip Love and Monsters and Fear Her. Okay? In season three, you can and should gleefully skip Daleks in Manhattan, Evolution of the Daleks, and 42. The rest is pretty much gold. Season four. This is a tricky one. Uh, Voyage of the Damned. You can skip that one. The Sontaran two-parter is skippable unless you're a big fan of Martha. And the finale is very, very, very patchy, but it does have... It does wrap up the Donna storyline, and Donna's the best companion in Doctor Who. Um, with the specials, there's four of them. You could probably skip Planet of the Dead, but it's honestly not that bad. Then, of course, I mean, you know, Tenant's Doctor got amazing spin-off episodes, like the 50th anniversary episode and Time Crash, and God, he was good! He was just so good! The show was so, so good then, and since then it's had flashes. It regularly has flashes of utter brilliance, but has largely been living off the goodwill established by the Tenant. Uh, and Russell T. Davies' years. Now, I mentioned Donna before. Holy crap. The companions under David Tennant were sublime. Rose started with Eccleston, but her arc with Ten was heartbreaking and perfect, and I, I still can't stop thinking about it. Mickey came into his own under Tennant. People hated Martha because she was, you know, the Tenth Doctor's rebound companion, basically. But she really came into her own, and Freeman's an, an amazing actor. Donna Noble, played by Catherine Tate, is the best companion ever to be in this show. She really is. She's a work of art, and I, I really want us to get a better, kinder ending for her. Maybe Chibnall can fix that. And then, of course, there's Wilfred, who is sheer perfection and makes me cry into my cornflakes every morning. Honestly, if you want to grin like an idiot, go and look up the David Tennant episode of Nevermind the Buzzcocks and thank me later. You doing it? This isn't a joke. Consider it homework. Now, look, I generally wade into Cliff's notes making glib jokes about the clothes that the Doctor wore or the hair, which I... Granted, I actually did. All the affectations, and you know, it's kind of like a... It's, it's fairly light and comical. And yes, the Tenth Doctor had all of that stuff in spades. But Ten was also the last example we had of the show at its best, at its cleanest, and at its smartest. So it's hard not to rewatch these episodes and go, like, what happened? 
it's not that Doctor Who isn't good anymore. It is. It just doesn't feel as like it doesn't feel as present as it once did. It doesn't feel like it's paying attention to itself. It doesn't feel as grounded. And I know it's science fiction, but again, I'm going to say it. It, it, under Tennant, it felt more real back then. Like, it felt more human. That's the word. And, and that's what the Tenth Doctor was. He was, when it mattered, when it really came down to it, he was very human. Oh, God, I miss him so bad. <laughs> and that is all the time we have for this week's episode of The Doctor Is In. Again, um, thank you so much to everybody for listening. My apologies for last week's sabbatical, I guess you could call it. Some insane stuff came up that I'll be talking about later. Uh, but basically, we are almost at the end of this season of Doctor Who, and we are almost at the end of this season of The Doctor Is In. Fear not. Uh, I will be doing this every season of Doctor Who, as long as Doctor Who goes, and I have very, very big, ambitious plans for the, uh, for the coming seasons. Um, I also have some stuff planned for the Christmas special coming up at Christmas hence Christmas special. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for popping over to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. It really means a lot. It means the world to me. Uh, and I will see you next week for the finale of The Doctor Is In and Doctor Who. See you guys. <laughs>